Welcome back, everyone, to Ohio Valley Athletics Podcast. Sean said this is episode number nine, so I'm going to trust him. This is episode number nine. We're excited to have you. I want to kick this episode off by thanking Ohio Valley Nutrition for sponsoring this episode and this podcast. Fantastic people. They know what they're doing. Uh, if you got weight loss goals, if you want to add muscle, go see these folks. They can help you out. They're the best around at what they do. They're located in St. Clairsville. I don't think they call it the old St. Clairsville Mall Road, uh, but they're right in front of the mall. Uh, please go see them. Take care of your nutrition needs. Really pumped up for this episode. Of course, you have uh, you have me. You have Sean. You have Sean Ryan. Of course, he's the real brains behind this thing. But we also have a guest <laughs> this week. We've got Ryan Church who is a 2005 graduate of Martins Ferry High School. I was chatting with Ryan before we got started here. And it's, it's interesting because you, you go back, uh, there's, it's tough to find information on the internet past like 2007, eight, nine ish. You just, it's hard to find information about people. Um, Ryan and I grew up around the same time. So I remember seeing his games, you know, on TV and seeing them live. And but I wanted to get stats for him because I wanted to introduce him. But I'm going to go ahead and introduce him with the one stat he is most proud about. Five and zero against the Blair Big Reds. Ryan Church, former former quarterback for the Martins Ferry Purple Riders. Uh, they went to their playoffs his junior and senior year. Went nine and three his junior year. His senior year they went twelve and one. Made a deep playoff run, losing to Cardinal Mooney in the playoffs. Ryan, I'm glad to have you on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hey, before we kick it over to Sean to talk about high school football, which we had some really, really great games this past weekend. Um, Ryan, I'm, 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 I'm glad to have you on. I teased you last week and I said, man, I said, I'm going to have to ask you how you feel about the Purple Riders, because when I asked you to come on last week, Martin's Ferry was 0-4. They did end up picking up a win this past week, which takes them to 1-4. Uh, f- uh, um, but not necessarily this team, Ryan. I'm curious to hear what was it like growing up at Martin's Ferry? What was it like playing for Coach Bruni? You, know, you got do you ever you ever think that, that how cool it is you got to play for arguably, you know, one of the best head coaches to ever be in the Ohio Valley? You ever think about those days? Oh man, Coach Dave was the best. I mean, you grow up, you want to be a rat, you want to be one of those kids on the sidelines, uh, helping out with a team, the rider athletic trainers, things like that. But I grew up with uh, Trevor, his son, so Coach Dave was already like a dad to me, and uh, he still is today. I mean, I see him, and we'll talk for half hour, an hour, just about life more than even football, so he's just a great man. When he stepped down, I was surprised, but not surprised. I I guess not surprised because he had done it so long, but surprised because he was still doing it at a pretty high level. Knowing that you still talk to him, you think he's he's okay with that decision that he stepped down when he did? I think so. I mean, he's got grandkids and Zach, his son's coaching. So I think he just wanted to be able to spend time with the grandkids, get out to probably go help Zach coach and things like that and check out some of the uh, some of his games. You know, it's interesting because every time, you know, I, I come back home about once a year and every every year we meet up for at least one night or one night or two and we never talk about high school football. We never talk, but we never go down that, that memory lane. We usually keep it pretty current about what's happening in our lives now. Um, but you're, you're a pretty great athlete. Uh, you played in the OVAC all-star football game. You played in the OVAC, OVAC all-star basketball game. Um, I don't know how many athletes I've been able to be fortunate enough to play in the, both of those, but not a lot. Um, 
you, 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 you had some really good accomplishments as a quarterback. And one of the things I remember about you playing, um, you know, at Martin's Ferry is Martin's Ferry didn't really throw the ball a whole lot before you. You guys actually put that ball in the air. Um, you were a quarterback that actually was able to pass the ball at Martin's Ferry. Thinking back when you go back to your high school career, you know, what sticks out at you the most? You said the 5-0 and against Belair because you got the play in the playoffs too. So I know that sticks out. But when you go back down memory lane, you know, what, what sticks out to you, whether specific players or moments from, you know, Coach Dave, what do you, what do you remember the most? Uh, I mean, not to repeat it, but the Belair beating them in the playoffs that second round, I mean, that was just a huge week. The whole It seemed like the whole Valley was there. We played at Steubenville, and there wasn't a seat in there. And I mean, obviously, Coach Dave, all his one-liners, everything he said, it was just life lessons every day. And he repeated them and pounded them in your head. And you'll catch yourself saying it to a friend now, one of Coach Dave's lines. It's just one of those things that stick with you. But yeah, being able to beat Belair twice in a season, it's definitely uh, probably my fondest memory from those days. So what are these one-liners? Sean and I would like to start incorporating them into the podcast. (laughs) Well, here's one we still use if we're out. It's nothing good happens after midnight. Coach Dave told us that. (laughs) That was every weekend. He's on nothing good happens out after midnight. And, you know, we were going out to Jamboree in the Hills and he he was calling me Jambo Church because I was going every year. And he, he just would still say, hey, have fun. But nothing good happens after midnight, especially out there. He's like, maybe 10 p.m. out there. (laughs) <laughs> what what's funny is whenever you said that like i heard it in his voice and i i could see the look on his face when he would be telling you guys that oh yeah he's he had the mannerisms and everything and it was you know he was he'd make you laugh but you were also terrified of him so he was great i've been in different locker rooms right i've been i've been in ones where you have the coach that comes in and they're just, they're, they're flipping their shit, right? They're all over the place. They're screaming, they're yelling, they put their hands on you in, in a motivating way. I've been in locker rooms where they come in with like the very passive aggressive attack, you know, their, their voice is low, but it's stern. And I've also been in locker rooms where the coaches, uh, neither of those upbeat, positive, almost laughable, ready to go play. What was, what was coach Dave like? Uh, I mean, he was more kind of cool and calm, but he could he could get fired up. But he would say to us before the game, you know, no matter what I say, and no matter how pumped you are right now, after you go out there and play one play, that's all out the window. Once you get hit once, you forget what you said in the locker room. You just play. Yeah. We had Coach Davis on, Jose Davis, a couple weeks ago, and we were talking to him about that rivalry game. Um not only one of the best rivalries in the Ohio Valley, it's one of the best rivalries in the state of Ohio. What is it like the, the, the third or fourth longest playing game in Ohio, Ryan, something like that. Yeah. I, I remember, I think at one point it was fourth in Ohio and sixth in the country. That's amazing. I mean, that is, that is incredible. What, what cool history we're part of, you know, I, I didn't get to experience it as a, as a player coach near Sean, Jose talked a little bit about just how cool it was, how the whole community came together and everything within the school was about that game that week. Curious to hear your side of it. I'm sure it was probably similar, but take, take us down. What was it like to be a Martins Ferry resident or student athlete during that game week? Well, I'm sure like Belair, we had the spirit week where, every day there was a theme at school and I mean that's just a good time you have a crazy day everybody dresses up 
Um, but every night, the co- coach Dave and the team, we'd all be at a different place for dinner, a different, it was like businesses were fighting for who was going to feed us each night that week. Then you had the uh, toe jammer, old Paul Reithmiller. He was the, uh, he was a DJ and he had a, like a semi truck, straight truck down at the field. And then this thing was like a shrine to Martin's Ferry. He'd have all the old games playing. And then, you know, you get down there at night and he'd be making burgers and hot dogs. And it was like being at a concert. I mean, just, there was a TV playing games instead. And there were probably a couple hundred people there all through the week, just getting in line for the game, which was crazy. People would wait multiple days to get in line just to get their spot at the game. So I mean, it, it was crazy. You couldn't go anywhere in town without people talking. Everybody knew who you were. You didn't know who they were half the time. It was crazy, but it was a it was a cool experience for sure. I feel like you just described an episode of Friday Night Lights, the TV show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, Martin's Ferry, and I think Ohio Valley football in its own is definitely like that. So, Ryan, on our message board, this is uh, a, there's actually two two different posts like this in our football category um they're, they're a few years old um, but in these two different posts people are talking about one of them they're talking about their their all-time martins ferry team where they have their starter their backup their third string and then another one was an old decade team and and you were mentioned in them both you ever think about yourself like that being part of an old decade team or an all-time team uh i mean i guess but the decade's probably easier, but the all-time team, I mean, for me growing up, I'd look up, I mean, I looked up to Freddie Ray and uh, my boy Jack Becker, Chad Brinker, and those guys. Like, I've watched those guys play, and people will say, hey, do you think you beat Chad Brinker's team or Freddie Ray's 98 team? And I'm like, I don't know, because those were like gods to me growing up. And I'm like, I can't imagine playing against those guys. I think that you just feel like they were so – I don't know, almost godlike to a little kid that you just can't imagine even playing them and having a chance. But I'm sure, you know, when we're all 16 and 17, maybe it would be a good game. But to me, I, it's just the history's so deep. Even on uh, Dennis Swergen, he was a great player that I've seen film on him. And it's like, there's just, there's so many great ones that, you know, you can put me in the top uh, 50 quarterbacks and I'd be okay with that. <laughs> yeah humble so you you actually got to go on and play this game after high school talk to us about that yeah I uh I started out at Toledo me and my buddy Scotty Antonic went up there and uh there was a Bruce Gradkowski was the starter at the time and uh great guy he helped me out a lot through my three days at Toledo <laughs> there was a uh <laughs> there was a quarterback out of Detroit there he was another freshman and he ran like a four, four and threw the ball 20 yards further than me. And I was like, they said, you know, we're going to switch you to receiver. And I was like, you know what? I want to play quarterback. So I left and I uh, went to W and J great program. Um, I wanted to go there cause they had the high flying offense, but I came from a power eye with coach Dave and we ran bone a lot too. So going there with the spread, I was, uh, you know, I was intrigued by that. And, uh, going there and having three hour four hour practices my arm just didn't work and it got to the point where I couldn't practice and I switched to receiver anyways so in the end I became a receiver but I mean I wouldn't trade it had a great time made lifelong friends I mean some of my best friends are from college still yeah and uh people sleep on d3 now it's uh it's a it's a 
you know, it's not terrible football. It's uh, there's a lot of great athletes that come out of there. And we've had, we had guys get looked at by the NFL and I mean, yeah. it's, so it's an experience for sure. You know, I want to, I want to keep you honest there. I mean, you're acting like you're just on the team. You were, you were a starter at wide receiver your junior and senior year, right? Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I started two years at receiver. Um, but it was, uh, it was, I mean, it's a great offense to be in. It was a spread offense. So a lot of action and best shape of my life right there. Never ran more or less since, you know, you bring up a really good point. I, when I went to West Liberty, I was humbled very, very quickly at how average I was, you know, how much talent was on that team. And on our podcast last week, I had said, I had asked our listeners to realize uh, how much of a treat we have to have two division two NCAA D2 teams right in the Ohio Valley and Wheeling University and West Liberty University. And then you also have Bethany College uh, right here locally as well. If you open that up to within the conference, the President's Conference um, and, and the Mountain East, you've got two dozen programs that are all within an hour, an hour and a half drive that has some great football. Um, having said that, Ryan, we've, we've got a dynamic listening group. We have parents, we have coaches, we have admin. We also have a lot of student athletes themselves. What would you say to all the student athletes that are listening to us thinking that they're just too good for D3? Oh, I mean, it's, that's what I thought too. You know, you get there and I mean, yeah, I played whatever. So I was good enough to play there. I, but D3, I mean, go play. If you're going to, if you're going to go to college, it's better to be active. It's better to do something. Just having football on your resume will get you interviews and in the door. I mean, W and J, Mount Union, all these places, they're bringing in 150 freshmen a year. So there's 150 kids each year that are going to go on. A few of those guys, you know, they become a CEO or run a company or know somebody. Just having those connections are huge. So, I mean, maybe you can't party every Friday night because you got that game on Saturday morning. But the connections you make, I mean, it's worth it. Yeah, I completely agree. So I appreciate you jumping on. You want to hang out with us throughout this episode, talk some sports with us? Yeah, definitely. All right, great. Sean, we had we had a great week of high school football, and I know you have some games and some, some things you want to talk about. I want to kick it off with this. I think it's so impressive how quickly our, some of the local ed, athletic directors and coaches were able to react and respond to these cancellations. You, you, you probably have the number in front of you, but I think we had four or five games get canceled at the last minute with, within like, I think Wednesday and Thursday, we had four or five games get canceled and almost every game got rescheduled. Right. I mean, that's, we probably haven't had ADs move that quick and that collaborative ever before together. With the exception of Cameron, um, I can't think of any right off the top of my head that uh, didn't find a game. And sadly, though, Brian, I agree, though, first of all, uh, kudos to these ADs, these coaches, because uh, a lot of these these teams are taking games sight unseen. And, and you guys have both been in high school programs. You've been in college programs to do that and have no preparation for the other team is tough. That being said, unfortunately, we're over a year and a half into this COVID thing. 
So these guys are more than well equipped at this point and kind of know what to do and maybe maybe even have some things on the back burner waiting just in case, just because they've been through it so many times now. Sean, I saw one of the coolest things this past weekend. So one of those games that got rescheduled was St. Clairsville and Lindsley ended up playing. They both ended up having their opponents cancel on them. And we reposted this on our Twitter. Uh, I know you saw it, Sean, but for all of our folks out there that, that didn't get to see this, um, the Lindsley football team on Twitter, uh, after they, had, they, they went to St. Clairsville and they played, and St. Clairsville beat them, and on their Twitter account, they said, you know, we lost to a great team last night. Congratulations to St. C. They played well. We played hard, but not enough to beat a good team. No excuses on our end. We have to be better, and we will. Remember that. It is not the critic who counts, but the man in the arena. That was from their Twitter account. I don't know why, but I was really taken back by that. I, I think it's just there's been so much turmoil and hate, you know, on social media over the last year. And to see a team that just got their butts kicked, go out and post that. You know, we, we replied and said, have you ever seen a team take an L with that much class before? Do I have blinders on? Because I feel like I haven't seen something that refreshing uh, locally from a sports team in a long, long time. You don't usually see that kind of thing um, because kind of in society, we're taught uh, when you win, say nothing. When you lose, say less. So everybody kind of goes into quote unquote hiding, but knowing, uh, gee, pretty much everybody there, you know, talking from the headmaster, Justin Zimmerman to the, the uh, admissions guy, RJ Zitzelberger to BJ Depew, the head coach and, and the, the rest of his staff, that, that doesn't surprise me at all because that place is class from top to bottom. And, you know, it's interesting because not only did they get beat, but they got beat pretty handily, which uh, was surprising to me and I'm sure a lot of people. And, you know, but that's the way you, you build a culture because I guarantee you BJ is the one that put that out and he's the one that controls that uh, account. Your team takes on the attitude and the demeanor of the head coach. And so in that regard, and it's not just about football either. I mean, it's about life. You know, things surprisingly did not go our way, and they did not go our way in a, in a big way. Now we have to pull our boots up and we have to respond. And I, I just like the message it sends both in and out of athletics. But, again, not surprised at all coming from that program. I, I, I completely agree with you. You know, I don't know that program nearly as well as you do. But from what I know about that program, um, you know, from the way they make kids dress, not only in the school, but when they're on their way to the athletic event, when they leave, you know, they're, they're trying to raise gentlemen uh, and, and women in this society. And just from that post alone, they're leading the way. They're leading, they're by, leading example. by example. So that was, that was really cool to see. Sean, what stuck out to you this weekend or in that game? I, I'll tell you, um, we had a lot of big matchups last week. And with some really good teams, uh, a number of them undefeated or one-loss teams. What stuck out to me is pretty much all of them ended up being lopsided. Um, there were some big-time blowouts. I mean, you look at 
probably the closest one was shady side beating Wheeling central 33 to 21. Um, but you look at big red, big red got taken to the shed, um, by Dover. Uh, who else? Uh, Wheeling park university came up there and laid one on park. Uh, Point Pleasant went to Oak Glen, beat Oak Glen forty-two to seven. I mean, it it's it's surprising to me. Um, but in another way, it's not because in Ohio we're at week five, so the the quote unquote cream has risen. Like from this point on, we should know pretty much how things are going to shake out. But that's what stuck out to me is it was just the blowout losses this week in the big games. You know, I didn't think about this before the podcast. This wasn't a question I, I plan to ask, but shady side is, I mean, they're the real deal, right? They're playing some good football and it's not, it's not luck. It's not trick plays, fluke plays. They're, they're a team to be reckoned with. They've got some real good players, um, but their opponent last week, Wheeling central, they beat a good opponent. Um, I like the Wheeling central team know some folks on that on that staff and and you got me thinking you know they just Wheeling Central just just lost to 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 Shadyside last week they had they had a tough game against Belair Shadyside or I'm sorry excuse me um Wheeling Central are they doing their self justice playing these schools that are a little bit bigger than them getting getting their snot beat out of them two weeks in a row before they go into you know West Virginia single way play going in the playoffs. Is that hurting them, you know, getting beat up and potential injuries, or does that make them tougher for the playoff run? Well, for me, it's twofold. Uh, number one, good luck trying to find somebody that's going to play Wheeling Central, first and foremost. Home, away, on Mars, doesn't matter. They, they have a really difficult time scheduling. Second of all, yeah, it does them a lot of good. Um because annually, what they see in the regular season is worlds better than what they're going to see come postseason in West Virginia Class A. Um, we've seen them, you know, take their lumps. Now, the, the flip side of that is, do you lose or do you physically lose? Meaning, key people get injured. And we've seen that happen because they, they've played some big-time schools. But Getting back to my original point, um, we've seen Wheeling Central just sneak into the playoffs as a 15 seed, go on the road all the way, end up at Wheeling Island, and win the championship. Just because, again, there's there's nobody out there in Class A that's playing the schedule that Wheeling Central is. And that's partly by design, and that's partly because nobody will play them, um, especially in Class A in West Virginia. Good luck. I mean, they they're just they can't get games, so they have to go play teams like this. They they have to go searching for games that otherwise uh, you you wouldn't see scheduled. Um, I think they're fortunate in that they're in an area where the only anything that separates us is a river, because yeah. there's not a lot of travel involved with that. They can go get games in Ohio. But they're, they're a lot tougher games, both physically and from an emotional standpoint. Sean, i got to have a little fun. It, you know that I've got some ties to that Wheeling Central program, um, and I don't hide it. So I'm going to have a little fun when I say this. 
Um, I, I had a discussion with somebody, this is a couple of years ago, but it still holds true today. And they said, yeah, Wheeling Central has no problem playing those games over the river because that's where most of them kids are from. It's like a home game for their parents. <laughs> that's garbage. I mean, uh, there might be one or two every year. It, it's not like this is something that is like a, a major problem, a major issue. There are places in West Virginia where it is a lot more of an issue. And, you know, I can speak on this personally because I live in Moundsville. My kid's going to be at Wheeling Central next year. She's going to Catholic school all the way up. And she enjoys the Catholic, the, the, the uh, mm -hmm. religious part of it. So I, I, I don't buy into that. It, it, it's always aggravated me. You know, that's what that is. That, that's the excuse. You've got to build an excuse. You know how many times that Wheeling Central was played on the island for a state championship? And, you know, there's like one minute left. They're drubbing some team from Podunk, USA. And out comes the big banner in, in the other team's uh, cheering section. Public school state champs. Like, you know, the kids don't care. That's the thing. There, there's aren't those aren't kids holding those banners up yeah those are grown reportedly purportedly uh, grown adults doing that stuff and you, you just need to get over it i mean it's it, it's sad is what it is you know you make an interesting point yes wheeling central obviously does get some kids outside of the wheeling area it, they do get some probably not as big as people act but the point you just made is very interesting and it's got me thinking is if if it's non-negotiable that you live within we'll just say 20 miles of wheeling because you know, that puts ohio into this if it's non-negotiable that you want your kids to go to a catholic uh school your options are really limited and and, and i truly mean no disrespect to blair st john's but every year we don't know if they're going to come back Right. So it's like if you're looking ahead and you're thinking, where do I want my my kid to go? And if you got a kid that's in fifth or sixth grade right now, you're probably not thinking about Blair St. John's because you honestly don't know if they'll be around. Um, Steubenville Catholic Central, good program, but you know, that's that's outside of that 20 mile mix, I said. So if you're growing up in Shadyside, Blair, Martins Ferry, heck, St. Clairsville, even as far out as Morristown and you want to get a Catholic education, where else are you going to go? You're exactly right. And. Unfortunately, people don't want to hear that. They think it's an excuse, and they say, oh, yeah, they just happen to be good athletes. Well, <laughs> I hate to say this, and this is going to piss some people off, but, you know, when you're paying for your kid's education, you tend to not only take an interest in their grades, you take an interest and you work with them on the side in all their extracurriculars. So... Like, like us, for example, we play travel ball and, you know, I'm not going to pay for this food, for these hotels, for these $450 bats, for these cleats, gloves, helmets. Uh, it, it, it's just on and on. And it's the same way with when you're paying to go to school. Um, you want your kids to have the best. And if you're going to put out the money to do that, you're going to make sure 
that they do everything that they're, that they're supposed to do. Ryan, I'm kind of curious to hear your take. You're, you're a single guy. One day you're probably going to have kids. Have you ever thought about where you'd want your kids to go to school back in the Ohio Valley? I mentioned a name you guys brought up earlier, RJ Zitzelberger. Played with him at WJ. Great guy. I always have said if I had the cash, I might really look into sending them to Lindsley just because you don't know too many kids that come out of there that aren't on some path to success. You know, they're ready for college at the very least. And uh, not to knock the public schools, but that always doesn't happen at the public schools. It's more the kid has to want to do it at the public schools. And it seems to me at Lindsley, I'm sure Central, it's they're going to make you do it. They're going to make you learn there. And mm-hmm. it's uh, you got you to gotta think about the education side of it, too. Now, I would love to see my kids, my friends' kids, everybody grow up together and play at Martins Ferry. But it's just not the reality anymore with jobs not being here like they were. The steel mill's gone. So if I'm in the area, I'm going to take a hard look at those schools. Ryan, I'm, I'm, I, I'm very curious to get your thoughts on this. Sean's going to be like, Brian, you've already beat this horse. Let it go. But at a, at a couple, we've, we've talked about this on a couple of different uh, episodes where it just seems crazy that you have on the West Virginia side of the river, um, you've got Wheeling Park. And then if you go across the river, you've got Shadyside, Belair, Bridgeport, um, Martins Ferry, and I think I'm even forgetting a school. And I, I've been saying that it just makes sense to have consolidation, if not one whole school, which will never happen, at least minimizing shady side and a Blair into one. And I think with the enrollment numbers, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. Martin's Ferry is seeing staggering enrollment numbers. I think it only makes sense to bring at minimum Martin's Ferry and Bridgeport together. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I can remember in our day there was chatter. It was Martin's Ferry, Bridgeport, Shadyside, Belair. And that would, I mean, sure, they'd move up divisions, but, I mean, that would be a powerhouse right there. And, uh, I mean, the idea, I don't love it because I'm a, I love the tradition of those schools playing each other. But financially, I'm sure it probably, there's an argument that makes it make sense. And uh, I know Coach Dave, he wasn't about it because he was pushing to get that new school built. So it's like, hey, we just built this. We're not going anywhere. So I, it would be, uh, it'd be very interesting, to say the least. Yeah, on that episode, we had kind of touched on that, how it seems like everybody just built a new school, even though enrollment numbers are going down. Um, they, they all built new schools and new facilities, and they look great. But for what? You know, and it, I won't rehash that whole episode. If, if you didn't get to hear what, that episode, I think it's episode number five or six. Uh, Coach Davis is on that episode, and we had a pretty interesting dialogue. Hey, going back to high school sports, getting us back on track, Sean, I think we were talking offline on this. I don't think we talked about this on the podcast. Um, we were talking about John Marshall's game last week. John Marshall was 2-1 and one going into last week, and they had a game against Trimble. And I actually didn't realize how great of a program Trimble was. Sean had to catch me up to speed. Uh, for our listeners out there that don't know, John Marshall played a Trimble program out of Ohio. They're a smaller school, um, you know, it's even smaller than like a Wheeling Central, uh, probably more like the size of um, uh, Weirton Madonna. Uh, they've won several state championships over the last 10 years. 
Um, John Marshall went into overtime and beat them 34-33. Very disciplined program. But offline, we weren't so sure John Marshall was going to get that win. And it's no disrespect, uh, no disrespect to the Monarchs. It's just complete respect to how good that Trimble team is. Sean, they ended up getting that win. John Marshall's three and one. You're a John Marshall guy, so that's got to make you happy at some part of you. Absolutely. I mean, they've been down for a while. I mean, there's been some there's been a playoff appearance here and there, but not, not a lot. And I'm happy for these kids because it's, it's a bunch of young kids, which makes it even more impressive. Number one. And number two makes it more important because they're experiencing success right off the bat, which uh, generally speaking certainly hasn't been the case. Um, that's a big win from them. I don't want to hear it's a D seven, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Justin Kropka just came there. He's trying to build a program. That's that's a nice win. And what really stuck out to me is the fact that John Marshall, which hasn't had a kicker in about 20 years, the kid kicked a, a field goal to tie the game and then another big kick in overtime. I mean, uh, I believe his name's Connor Fitzpatrick. Uh, he was a uh, soccer player, and if I heard this right, he, he quit soccer to concentrate on football. Um, and I, I'm telling you, I, I, the kid was booming the ball. Um, there, even though that was a quality win, there are much, um, how should I say, uh, more daunting games on the schedule coming up. Um, Parkersburg South this week. Yeah. Still got, still got Morgantown. Still got Park. I mean, they got Brook which, you know, before getting beat by university, who is just demolishing everybody, um, Brooke was 2-0. and uh, So I'm happy for John Marshall. It's nice to see a little bit of pep uh, coming back to the community. Well, you know, they, they're definitely – the back half of their schedule has those AAA teams. They're going to be playing teams that are their size that know that program well. But – I tell you what, going, you know, heading into that, that, that part of their schedule, they, they have some confidence, you know, I think that that, that confidence, as we all know, especially in high school sports, um, that can get you a touchdown right there by, you know, believing. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what the Monarchs do the second half of the year. Uh, local team, of course, we're rooting for them. Uh, they've got a big one this week. Um, they're going to be heading down to uh, Parkersburg South, right? That's right. Yeah, so hey, some people, depending on who you're talking to, they'll say Parkersburg South's local. Um, they're part of the OVAC now. Um, but I'm rooting for the Monarchs in this one. I'll be interested to see who you pick in your picks this week. I have no idea who I'm going to pick in that game, to be <laughs> completely honest with you. Hey, I want to I call this one out. We had uh, Union Local. Well, I believe you had Union Local winning in your picks last week. They beat Shenandoah 49-20. Uh, that's, this is setting up to be a heck of a football game in Belmont County later this year with Union Local and St. Clairsville coming together. And uh, Union Local is going to running back name McCrate. He has 602 rushing yards early in the season, pacing well over 1,000 yards. Um, I think this Union Local team, man, they, they, they're kind of giving you a breath of that old school. They play really good defense. They're going to grind the ball. Um, and I'm thinking specifically of a team like St. Clairsville that, that, has, that plays that high-tempo offense. 
um, Union Local might be a problem for them, the way they grind the ball and not let them get into a rhythm. They've clearly been a problem for the four teams they've played this year. Uh, we've got, if you haven't checked our rankings, our Power 15 rankings, we've got Union Local coming in seventh in the OVAC this week. Um, that's the, They're pairing up to have a really good matchup down the stretch. And then uh, also in the rankings, I want to hear your thoughts on, Sean, is I uh, want everybody to go take a look, look at this article, so I'm not going to give you too many of the schools. Uh, but Shadeside and Belair, both undefeated, coming in at one and two. Uh, that's going to be a heck of a matchup coming up, too. I'm really looking forward to that game. I am, too. Uh, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. But, you know, even a couple of weeks ago, I was I was looking ahead to that one thinking, man, I, w- I was going down both their schedules thinking, oh, both of these teams could be undefeated when they play. And you talk about a standing room on the crowd. I mean, you know, I hear young kids say there's nothing to do in a Valley. And I hear them say, I can't wait to get out of the Valley. I mean, just, mm-hmm. I, I was one of those people. I got out for a couple of years and I came back, but there, there are just some things here in the Valley that you just, you can't get anywhere else. And it, is it the, the best product? I mean, are there D one, are we littered with D one players all over the place? No. But I don't, I don't, I don't know that a, a place the 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 size of the valley. I, I don't know that there's another place in in the country that loves its high school football as much as uh, we do around here. I mean, it, to me, it's the one thing whether you're you know it doesn't matter the color of your skin, it doesn't matter who you voted for. I mean, for two and a half hours on Friday night, man, everybody's on the same team and. It, it's just it's it's old school stuff, and I'm an old school guy that, you know, I remember going to games on Friday nights when I was little. I mean, I, like I lived for that, and it, that that never went away. Not only for me, but it's just generation after generation seems to be coming up the same way. And I, I just I've got a huge spot in my heart for Valley football, man. It's it's just it's good stuff. Yeah, as, as much as I've been on the consolidation train over the last couple of weeks, it is real special, and it's going to be real special here. And I think it's two or three weeks from now, Belair and Shady Side are going to square up against each other. They very well may both be undefeated still, and you're going to have two really good programs, great coaching staffs, really great athletes pairing up and having a true backyard brawl because depending on where you live in Shady Side and Belair. Uh, a quarter mile separate you, you know, heck two inches separate you depending on where you live. So we're really seeing two small town teams go against each other. Before we, we conclude this uh, with our special guest on here, I feel like we got to call out the Martins Ferry Purple Riders. They, uh, we had said last week, they were 0 and 4 for the first time in about 35 years, going back to the seventies, they played a Weirton team. Uh, this this past week where Martin's Ferry was able to pick up that win. So, hey, hey, Ryan, you're off the hook because uh, you're going to have to try to defend the Purple Riders being 0-5. Uh, but being a former Purple Rider, that's going to feel good that they got that monkey off your back and, and, and you're not talking about breaking a new record down there, a bad record of going 0-5. Yeah, I mean, I think they'll be fine. I mean, you have a freshman quarterback, and I know going as a junior, I – didn't know what I was doing on the field. You know, you have to time. I'm just like, I know where a receiver's supposed to be. I'm going to throw it and hope he's there. 
So, I mean, once he catches up, he'll be fine. Uh, the team will be fine. Uh, I know Coach Yoder will – he's definitely getting prepped every week and he'll have him prepped the rest of the year. But I would just say the future looks good. When you got a guy as a freshman getting this experience, the experience at quarterback is unmatched. I mean, once you get that year under your belt, the game slows down. And, I mean, even five games in, it's going to slow down. So, uh, it's you know, it's not the best seeing them at one and four, but it's definitely going to set them up for a better run the rest of the year and into the future. And, I mean, everybody has a quote-unquote down year, and I think they'll uh, turn it around. Sean, any other games that stick out to you before we jump into college football? I mean, I, I think the big one, obviously, is Lindsley going to Harding Stadium. Um Big Red is, from what I hear, is just beat up big time physically. A lot of injuries. A uh, number of kids who aren't coming back this year because of those injuries. Um, this is going to be interesting uh, because, as usual, Big Red's probably going to be outsized on the lines, but uh, they're always more scrappy, and, and there's more of them. You know, we've talked about this before. Big Reds twos and threes are often as good as other teams' ones. I think Big Red's going to win this game, but I think Lindsay's going to give them a hell of a run. Yeah, for any of our listeners that don't know, Steubenville was number one in our power rankings last week. They slipped from number one, but they're still in the top five. Steubenville, um, you could say, was upset. Uh, I didn't have them losing to Dover last week. But for our listeners who don't know, Dover is one heck of a program. The same way locally we look at the Steubenville program as the same way that many folks in the state consider the Dover program. Um, and heck, just, just within the last 10 years, Steubenville and Dover have met several times, playoffs included, and they have always been knuckle-to-knuckle fights like Steubenville and Dover had this past week. Uh, so even though Steubenville lost last week, uh, they lost to a very, very fine program. I didn't realize that they had – I should be surprised, but I didn't realize they came out of that game pretty beat up, Sean. Yeah, and they, they were kind of beat up going in. And I, I would appreciate if you do a favor – do me a favor and we'll just gloss over the fact that not only did I have Big Red winning that game, I had Big Red blowing them out. So, um, on to the next topic, if you would. <laughs> hey, Ryan, anything stick out to you uh, so far this this college football – or, I'm sorry, high school football season? You know, it's been crazy. We've had all these COVID things. We didn't know if we are going to have football or not. We got we got fans in the stands. Your Purple Riders picked up their first win of the season five weeks in. Anything stick out to you? Uh, I mean, to me, I'm mostly paying, paying attention to my riders, and uh, I would like to see some more kids on the team. I mean, they got to – we, that's the problem. We got to get some kids out there. I know the enrollment's down, but you know, if you're a player, you're listening to this, tell your buddies, go out for the team. They're, you're going to learn so much. You're going to learn how to show up on time for things. You're going to learn to get, you know, knocked in the mouth and how to get back up. We just got, we got to get those numbers up. And that's what, uh, that's the thing I would like to see. And just getting that experience, whether you never play a down in your life, you're just on the team you're going to get that. I mean, you're going to get lifelong friendships and you're going to learn a lot of life lessons. And it's, I mean, it's just a great experience for a a young kid. Yep. Well said. Moving on to college football. Let's start with the big dogs. WVU Virginia tech came together, played for the first time. I think since what 2017 Virginia tech went into this game nationally ranked WVU, not ranked at all. 
And what do you know? Is it is it an upset that WVU pulled off this victory? I don't think it's an upset because we, we've talked about this a number of times. You know, I, I knew before that game against WVU that there was no way in hell that Virginia Tech was the 15th best team in the country. But again, we're going off of what they've done in the past. Um, I, I like the way WVU came out. They hit him in the mouth early. Had to hang on late with the goal line stand by the defense. I mean, that's 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 a quality victory for WVU, especially after that opening loss to, to Maryland, which is one I think throughout this season they're going to kick themselves for. But just to, to harp on my uh, rankings BS even more, Virginia Tech was 15th, WVU unranked, as you said. WVU beats Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech drops out of the poll. Gets 50, is now receiving 58 votes. WVU is receiving 12. I don't get it. I'm not even going to try to get it anymore. It's a joke. It's just uh, either people don't pay attention or they don't <clears throat> give it back. I, I, that's I figure. I'm glad you brought that up because I saw you post something on social media about that. For, for, the, for the folks that might not have caught what you just said, Virginia Tech still got more votes than WVU did, even though they just went head-to-head this past weekend early in the season and WVU showed they're the better team. Uh, I agree with you. It doesn't make sense. It, it's like uh, the, you know, the body of work just happened on the field and people are ignoring it. So we, we picked up one big win with our big sports programs that are local. Um, and we, and then we got another one for the Buckeyes of Ohio. Um, I'm happy to get the win. I said on another podcast, so I want to keep myself honest. I said on another podcast that college football is going into dangerous territory because it, it's, it's become a, a game of, um, well, how do I say it? Uh, you got to be perfection. You, you got to win perfectly. It's not, did you win? It's how good did your win look like? And I do think that's a problem with college football. So now I'm going to talk out both sides of my mouth. We got the win. Ohio state got the win, but for three and a half quarters, it wasn't pretty. Uh, we, for three and a half quarters, Ohio state didn't necessarily look like uh, they were a top 10 ranked team. They did bring it for the fourth quarter and part of the third. As a Buckeye fan, what do, what do you make out of this? Ryan, Sean, are the Buckeyes, are they still tuning up or should Buckeye fans be concerned? I mean, I'm not deep into the college football Ohio State landscape, but I'm sure coming off the success they just had, they probably have a young team. I know the quarterback's young. And the speed of the game that's from high school to college football, I mean, I saw it at the D3 level and it's insane. So I can't imagine what it's like for those kids to go out from high school to college and just dealing with that. So, I mean, maybe give them four or five games to get ready. I know you don't want to take any losses, but when you do take them early and, you know, that seems that the, however they vote on it, they figure it out later on. And it's what you do at the end of the season that really matters. So I don't think Buckeye fans have anything to worry about. I mean, they seem like we're getting some improvement. And they're getting the experience, and that's what's important. And I think down the line, they should be fine. I will tell you that we are spoiled as Buckeye fans. We are absolutely spoiled rotten that it's not just me. There's tons of us out there that were upset that we didn't look better when we won. Uh, We got the win. 
I will say, though, there's something that I'm concerned about, <clears throat> and it's not the quarterback. He, he is a young guy. He does throw some erratic passes. When he's inaccurate, he's very inaccurate. But I'm not worried about that for all the reasons you just said, Ryan. You know what I am concerned about? Our run game. We have four, five-star recruits, and the problem is not any of them individually. I think the problem is this. Coaches are so afraid of the transfer portal. They're so afraid of somebody putting their name in there if they don't get enough attention. So I think what Ryan Day is trying to do is give them all a little bit of action. And maybe not every running back will agree with me, but I think it's really hard as a running back to come in halfway through the game and get four carries and expect to get my best out of four carries. Most running backs their best carries, their best runs are usually between carry 20 and 30 are their best runs, not between one and five, you know, first, first five, six carries, you're feeling out the defense. What kind of matchups up front on the offensive defensive line are, are, are good and bad. What linebackers are reading fast today. Who's closing in. It takes you a while. A lot of people don't think about it as a running back. You know, they always talk about a quarterback reading the defense. Well, you do as running back too. You get a feel for the defense. And again, I think it usually takes around your 20th carry before you really start to feel like you're in a zone. I don't know how they, Ohio state expects any of these running backs to have a good game when they're, when they're rotating in three guys and giving all three guys the ball five or six times, you can't get into a rhythm. On top of that, if you're the quarterback or an offensive lineman, all of these running backs are different. They've got their speed guy, they've got their power guy, and they've got one guy that's a little bit of both. How can you get any timing down when, when they're all different? Now, if I said Ohio State was playing three different quarterbacks, everybody would say, yeah, that, that doesn't make sense. The timing's off. Well, folks, it's not much different when, when you have a tailback. I think Ohio State's running game is their worst enemy right now. And, and in a good run game makes the pass game better. The last two games, the running game has not been respected for Ohio State because they're not moving the ball. And I don't think it's because the players aren't good. They're real good. I don't think it's because the play calls are bad. I think it's just because they're not letting these kids get into a rhythm in the game. You said it, first of all, a couple of minutes ago, you're spoiled. <laughs> it's first world problems man oh we got these four five-star recruits come on listen Ohio State's gonna be fine you know like you said earlier just win doesn't matter how you win Ohio State wins the rest of its games it's gonna be there in the end because it's Ohio State not necessarily because it deserves to be which it likely would don't get me wrong but there's a handful of programs as we've talked about on previous episodes that they get second chances that other teams do not. And the high state, like it or not, is one of those. They're going to be all right. Um, just like Brian talked about, this, this kid is just starting. You know, he's a new new guy. High state is just – they're really freaking good, all right? and I know it, over it pains you to say that. I know it does. Yeah, it's like ripping my heart open over here. But I, I can be honest, even though it hurts, but they're going to be fine. You know, by the end of the season, they're going to drum Michigan just like they do every year. And everybody will be like, oh, I told you so. And I'm going to hold you accountable when we get to that point. And I'm going to say, no, you didn't tell me so. You were so worried about that run game in week four 
you thought it was going to be the demise. Uh, I, I'll tell you what, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. So more local college football action. Uh, tough start to the season for the Bethany Bison. They fell to 0-3 this past weekend. Ryan, they fell to your old team, W&J. Uh, they lost 28 to three. So yeah, tough, tough go around against the Bethany Bison. I want to remind everybody out there, Bethany's got eight local kids on their program. Uh, so even though it's been a tough start to the season for them, make no mistake, it's still uh, good athletes up on that team. And you got eight local kids that you can go support if you want to go catch a game. Wheeling University and West Liberty both fell last week, taking them both to one and three. Uh, so kind of a tough start to both of those programs as well. Uh, Wheeling College, um, they had a tough one against Notre Dame College, who's number one in the conference. Uh, Wheeling will play Glenville State this week. Uh, Glenville State's not a bad program. They're off to a good start this week, so things or this this year, so things don't get easier for them. And then West Liberty is going to be playing uh, West Virginia Wesleyan. Uh, those are both Saturday games. Wheeling will kick off at twelve, and West Liberty will kick off at one o'clock. Those are both away games for those programs. Reminder: West uh, West Liberty has twenty-two local kids on their program. Wheeling University has nine. I'm going off memory. I, I hit it on the last podcast. But folks, go when they get back in town. Please go support those programs. Let's move to pro ball. Steelers. So here's can we not. Here's, uh, you know what, Sean, here's the thing. We kind of knew, we, we kind of felt like two weeks in, we were going to be one-on-one, right? It just didn't, I didn't. I, it just I didn't happen the way we thought it <laughs> Now, hey, hey, Ryan, are, are you, you're, I can't remember, are you a Steelers fan or not? I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, but That's I watch right. every, <laughs> yeah, I watch all right. the Steelers games. That but, is right. Yeah, yeah, I got to watch the Steelers games so I can, they're on TV every week, so I, I keep up with them. You like NFL more than college, though, right? Yeah, I'm an NFL guy, partly because uh, I like to gamble on DraftKings a little bit with them. So that keeps me interested in the NFL game. And so it's easier because the players are there potentially yep. longer, and you can remember who they are. I'm with you on that. And we haven't done a uh, fan duel this year. We need to, we get, we need to get them back going. I need you to get, you, know, you need to invite me into some of yours and vice versa, but you're, you're a great guest to have on right now because Sean and I are both huge Steeler fans uh, almost to a fault. You know, we're trying to, we're trying to talk locally and be subjective here. And it's kind of tough when we both like the team so much, you being an outsider, the outsider as in you're not black and gold like we are. What's your take on the Steelers this year? What did you see from game one into game two? Uh, you got you got uh, old vet Ben Roethlisberger, who I teased last week. I said he looked like a 39-year-old man running around last week. He, he showed some age in his legs. Arm looked good. What's your take on the Steelers so far? Uh, I mean, the team is great besides potentially Ben. I mean, Ben is going to be a Hall of Famer. He doesn't get the respect that he deserves really nationally and probably locally. But at this point, I think he's done. And it's not great for the Steelers because they've kind of coddled him and haven't brought in a big draft pick to back him up because, you know, Ben wouldn't be happy. But look, they did it for Aaron Rodgers. Why can't you bring one in behind Ben and get him ready? So, I mean, the defense, unreal. I know TJ Watt went out with an injury. Um, the receivers, I mean, they got a bunch of guys there that are great. I love Deontay Johnson. Uh, I think he's going to be really good. He's kind of like 
uh, Antonio Brown 2.0 with less of the baggage. And uh, I think, I don't know, Ben might have a little bit left to get him through one more year. They could potentially make a little run, but I think it's at the point where we don't know what we're going to get out of Ben for a full season. So just to be clear, are you saying that the Steelers should be looking ahead next year, or do you think that they're not as a good, good, they could be a better team this year if they had somebody better at quarterback? Yeah, I think they need a better quarterback. I mean, uh, Ben has been great hall of famer easily, but let's face it. I mean, Derek Carr looked heads and shoulders above him and Derek Carr isn't the most respected quarterback in the game either. So it's maybe Ben has a little magic left for one more run, but you know, his time's coming. Let's turn this over to Sean. I disagree. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think we've got a lot of problems, but I, don't, I honestly, I don't think Ben's one of them. Um, what I will say about Ben is that he's got to start working the, the middle of the field, the intermediate routes. And I don't know, because you watch it on TV, you, you don't see the routes that are being run. You don't see them developed. So I can't really say. But it, it doesn't seem like they're running any of those crosser routes. Those pick plays that uh, Tom Brady has made a, a Hall of Fame career out of using. Um, everything's a, a screen, a bubble screen, or go deep. There, there's no in-between game. Um, the offensive line is just absolutely putrid at this point and there's no other way to describe it and you're starting three young guys up there the only hope i have in that scenario is that they grow as, as the year goes on um and defensively they are very good but they were just decimated with injuries yesterday um late scratches joe hayden uh, who was the other guy? TJ uh, Watt Marks. went down. TJ Watt went down. Um, Tyson Alualu went down. He's out for a, a good period of time. Uh, and there was oh Devin Bush didn't play. So you you take those guys off the defense, and, and it makes a a big difference. And you know, everybody both locally. I heard a bunch of it after the game and in the, the media were saying, you know, Oh, that makes Ben two and six against the Raiders, you know, and the Raiders, you know, for whatever reason, they just can't beat a bad team. And my response to that is twofold. Number one, I, I like the Raiders this year. Uh, I think they're going to be a playoff team. I, I think that's a legit team. And a lot of those other games, in this series when, when we've lost to them had a certain element of flukiness, um, a bunch of turnovers. Listen, uh, there was no, nothing fluky about yesterday. The Raiders were just a better team and, and they beat us. Um, we've got to find a way again to, to throw the ball on the intermediate routes. And, and people say, well, we can't run the ball. We can't run the ball. Because here's why. We're not going to stress the field. We're not going to throw the ball over the middle. So you're looking at eight, nine guys in the box against a bad offensive line to begin with. And let me also say this. 
we're playing we're paying Derek Watt 3.4 million dollars to be a special teamer I mean we, we got a fullback he's a pro bowl yeah. fullback can, can we see him once in a while I mean it, it's just it's it's annoying to me it, we, everybody talked about Matt Canada is coming in and he's going to be the new offensive coordinator you know it's going to be it's going to be something new it's going to be it's going to catch people off guard I don't see them doing anything right now that they weren't doing last year. And it's just not good enough. I agree. The Derek Watt thing was, it didn't make any sense to me. And I couldn't help but wonder if the last name played any part into that in the relationship. Cause it just didn't make sense to why we would retain a fullback at that price. I don't even know why we would retain a fullback at $1. We never use them. Yeah. How many, how many plays, I'm trying to think back. How many plays have we seen Derek Watt in the offensive huddle? It's got to be. It's got to be less. You can probably count him on less than one hand. Like, I don't recall I, hearing I, his name all year. I don't recall hearing him at all. I, I just don't get it. And Ben, is he what he once was? No, but unless your name's Tom Brady, you're not at this point in your career. But. His receivers, and, and I like Deontay Johnson too, but there are so many times on these option routes where he goes one way and Ben throws the other way. And this is going back two years now. And it's driving me nuts. And I have to think, I'm just, you know, I'm going to go with the guy who's been playing for 18 years, that he's right on those. You got Juju. He's a, he's a number three receiver at this point in his career. He came back to Pittsburgh on a one-year, $8 million deal because nobody else wanted him. Okay? Chase Claypool, at times, he flashes. But also, you might get three quarters where you never call his name. So, I, we have a lot of weapons, but I don't know that we, that we use them correctly. And I think one of the biggest weapons we have, honestly, is Pat Firemuth, and we're not using him because we're not, we're not throwing the football down the down the middle. I, mm-hmm. I it, it's frustrating. It's it's really really frustrating because now we're really banged up, which we couldn't afford to be in the first place. And you got Cincinnati coming to town. You got to play Baltimore twice. You got to play Cleveland twice. You got to go to Green Bay next week. I mean, there's there's little to no room for error and. I, I was really optimistic and, I, and I'm not just down because we lost, but when we lose, I, I tend to take a more honest approach and I see things that I would just normally gloss right over and say, Hey, we won. I don't care. We got a lot of problems, man. Yeah. I mean, last, last week you were talking about, we're going to be in the Super Bowl, and now you're talking about how we're going to be fighting for the first round draft pick this coming year. Well, Welcome to my life. <laughs> hey, it, this is NFL. It's a little outside the the Ohio Valley viewing area, but it's got a little bit of a local tie here. Jacksonville Jaguars are 0-2. This past week, USC fired their head coach. In the college football world, there was a lot of talk in the past year that Urban Meyer had um the southern cal program as one of the only programs that he would return back to the college game for in an interview in a press conference this past week a reporter asked urban meyer point blank 
would you consider the USC job? And Urban Meyer decisively said, no, there's no way. But when he said it, he looked down at the ground and didn't make eye contact with anybody. People in the media world are making this a huge deal. Gentlemen, what do you think? Does Urban Meyer skip town to go back to the college game? Two things on that. First of all, would it surprise anyone? It would. Urban be. Meyer is a fr- he is the ultimate front runner. The first taste that something's going to go wrong, or it's not, you know, they're not going to have a good year. Oh, my, my health's not good. I got to spend time with my family. Listen, I don't know how many years ago it was. Now it was obviously quite a few. Same scenario. Nick Saban coaching the Miami Dolphins. Yep. He was asked point blank, said, I'm not going anywhere. Two, three weeks later, he was on a plane to Tuscaloosa. We know how that turns out. Listen, if somebody can offer you something better, you're going to go. Well, you think, Ryan, you think we see Urban uh, skip out of the NFL? I don't know. It's I don't know Urban well enough to know if he's determined to have that NFL success. If he's, I'm going to stick it out and figure it out and try to be successful here. Um, but I also know that his legacy is intact and he might be at the point where he's like, hey, uh, I've done what I've done. I'm not having a good time here. I'm going to go to USC and dominate in the college ranks where I've done my whole life. So I don't know, but I know a lot of those guys, I'm sure even Saban has had that itch before he signed those contracts. I need to give it one more go. I want to have success at that level. So it's, it's a toss up in my mind. Yep. So we've got a good slate of games coming up this next week. We've got a plethora of great high school football games. Check out our website, ovathletics.com. So you can stay up to date. We released our power 15 rankings today. Sean will have his picks for the high school football slate coming out probably tomorrow, the day after. So make sure you take a look at that. Uh, Ohio State's going to have a tune-up game against Akron, or at least what's scheduled to be a tune-up game against Akron. WVU is going to go on a road, and they're going to play the Oklahoma Sooners. Let's pause there for a second. Uh, Mountaineers are coming off a good emotional, most would say an upset over Virginia Tech or at least national media didn't pick WU to win. They're going to go down and play Oklahoma. Oklahoma's 3-0, nationally ranked. Uh, Sean Ryan, what do you expect to see out of that game for the Mountaineers? I'll make this short, and I'll make it sweet. They're going to get blown out. Any difference there for you, Ryan? Um, I say uh, WVU wins by 40. No, I haven't haven't watched it down yet this year, WVU football. Fair. So – (laughs) fair we've got the Steelers uh the Steelers are going to have a home game uh their first conference game uh of the divisional game I should say rather they're going to be playing the Bengals this is going to be two teams that are one-on-one uh Bengals uh at least on paper much younger team going to be bringing in a high-powered offense it's been scoring some points however Pittsburgh is actually favored to win this game uh by most uh by most um I guess you'd say scorekeepers or oddsmen. They have uh, Steelers predicted to win this game. I'll turn it over to you guys. What do you think? What, what, what are the Steelers in store for this coming Sunday? For me, it all depends on health. Uh, if they don't get some sort of healthy, uh, a couple guys back at least, it's going to be probably a loss. I mean, even when you're playing the worst team in the NFL, <laughs> the the – 
the margin of error is razor thin. And I, I would like to think that they're going to bounce back, but I just don't know. To me, it's, it's health-wise. Um, if T.J. Watt is healthy, I, I think the Steelers are, are going to win because Cincinnati might be the, the lone NFL team with a worse offensive line than Pittsburgh's. And it, it could be a big day if, if he's able to get back in the lineup. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, if T.J. Watt's there, I'm not 100% sold on Joe Burrow yet either. I mean, we just haven't seen him long term. And the team, his line obviously isn't the greatest around him. So if there's pressure on him, I think the Steelers should be able to pull off the victory this week. It's going to be a good week of football. Ryan, thanks for coming on. I appreciate you having you on. Thanks for sharing some of the stories you did um, back in your playing days with the Purple Riders. Sean, excellent. I hope you have an excellent week as well. For everyone out there, tune into our website, ovathletics.com, to see, again, the top 15 and then Sean's picks for this week. Also want to again thank Ohio Valley Nutrition for sponsoring this podcast and this episode. Great folks, local business that supports high school football, please go support them because they support us. This is Ohio Valley Athletics, the Ohio Valley's number one site for local sports talk. We'll talk to you soon.